Keeping it real with Jared Lawrence. Between her hair texture, her skin color, her videos, her big brothers, she don't thank nobody loving her. But her grandmother, her resources is limited, so it's hard to discover how she rate this beauty that's not on top of no discover. Since she not matching it, she's flawed and the immaculate. Her beauty skin deep, but she got acne, she ain't happy with, she gotta get something to influence her appearance, cause she's tired of backing it up and being an object in the lyrics. See, they keep bruising her spirit, they breaking her heart. They set her value off the size of her parts, and how does she start to heal knowing all they want is her womb she pray for memories as soon as puberty looms cause if she flat chested and they big breasted she gets rejected ostracized just neglected so now she at this doctor to get God's errors corrected cause her daddy didn't stay to see that she was protected she wanna be she wanna wake up and be light skinned she wanna be she wanna wake up and be light skinned she wanna be She wanna wake up and be light skinned. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence. I'm your host, Jared Lawrence. I told you guys I'm keeping it the black history theme this this month. I'm playing all songs related to black history. That one's called Color Complex by Skip Coon. I told you he's one of my favorite underground kind of artist he's from mississippi nobody's really heard of him but he had this incredible album maybe like 10 15 years ago called women revolution tennis shoes and this song was off of that it's called color complex talking about you know black women some of them are, are just not happy with their skin tone we see that a lot in the black community we've had this conversation many times on this podcast so if you guys have ever listened to me before, you've heard us discuss it, whether it's me by myself, me with guests. I know we talked about it a little with Janine and Chris on here. And just people not happy in their skin. It's not just women. It's black black boys, too. You know, the dark-skinned ones get made fun of. The light-skinned ones get made fun of. It seems like can't catch a break on either side. But that's just a good song to basically break it all down for you. But I'm going to get things started. We had a great weekend this past weekend with the Super Bowl. And that's what I'm going to kick it off with. Uh, let's talk about the halftime show in a minute, but I'll just gloss over the game because I ain't going to lie to you. I didn't really watch too much of the game. And when I did watch it, I wasn't really focused till the end when it was like the Rams were trying to win. And then it looked like they were trying to give it away. Then it looks like maybe they got some help from the referees. I don't know which side of the fence you stand on. I'm kind of sad the Bengals didn't win because, like I said, my niece's brother, Jackson Carmen, plays for the Bengals. But... For some reason, I don't even think he played a single snap in that game. It was very weird. I don't know if he was injured or not. Like I said, he played the whole second half against the Chiefs. Did not see him on the field, number 79 at right guard. Did not see him on the field. And if I want to be nitpicky, I can say that him not being on the field at the end might have cost them because the guy that was playing ahead of him kind of getting tossed around most of that game. The, the other guy. I don't know his name, but um, yeah. They, the, like I said, that that Rams D-line was going to be in the backfield all game. And I don't know if the Chiefs, I don't think they really ran the ball enough to neutralize it. But at the end, when they were trying to get down the field passing, bro, they were all in Joe Burrow's mug. Cooper Cup ends up getting the MVP. A lot of people said Aaron Donald should have gotten it. I'm not mad at either choice. I think 
Aaron Donald was very dominant on that last drive to secure the win. He had a sack earlier in the game. Might have had another one, but like I said, I wasn't really paying attention to the whole game. But Cooper Cup, I mean, he made some big plays. That last touchdown he made sealed the game, but then before that he had what would have been a touchdown, ended up getting called back. I'm still not sure why it got called back. I was in a, a party with a lot of loud people, so I didn't get to hear what the call was. But he took a shot to the head on that last drive too. So in my opinion, him taking that shot to the head was, was probably a concussion. He stayed in, though. Nobody even checked him, I don't think. And he had caught it. It looked like it was a touchdown. They called it back. Then he ends up getting another touchdown a few plays later. So, in my opinion, him taking that shot to the head alone, he deserved the MVP, man. And once Odell Beckham got hurt, I mean, they relied on Cooper Cup. So, I'm not mad at him winning MVP. Odell Beckham uh, went down with what looks like a torn ACL. I don't know if we've even gotten confirmation on what it is yet, but it didn't look good. It looks pretty bad. A lot of people were saying it's because of the turf. Um, I'm not sure if I'm buying the turf argument. Odell has had quite a few injuries this at this point in his career going over the last five years or so. So I think he just might be maybe injury prone. I hate to say that word because it's not fair to some people. Some people do catch bad breaks and get hurt. But just that step he took, I don't know if that – would have affected him on grass or turf. I think that probably would have been the same injury on grass because it was just a, a funny way he had stepped and got his knee caught in there. So I'm not going to blame the turf on that one, but the turf has been a cause for a lot of injuries. I think they says like 30% more injuries occur on that field turf they play with, which actually, if you think about it, is better than what they used to play on back in the day. They used to play on astral turf, which doesn't even look like grass. It's just damn near carpet with a little bit more bounce. But that was terrible. You don't see AstroTurf anywhere. I think that's I, honestly, I think AstroTurf might be completely banned. Where it's just that hard surface. I think now it's all at least field turf where it looks like grass has the little rubber pellets underneath to make it a little more bouncy. But yeah, get well soon. Odell Beckham. Congratulations, Cooper Cup. Aaron Donald got his ring. Not sure if he's retiring yet. I know that was a rumor that he might possibly retire. Haven't heard anything on that front. Honestly, I'm happy too for the Rams. Happy they got the Super Bowl win. I know a lot of people were blaming the refs at the end, and there was a little bit of referee and uh, a lot of flags, as the, as the gang members might say, a lot of false flagging going on there at the end, throwing out flags that probably could have been picked up. But there was some that were were justifiable like I saw the linebacker he said he shouldn't have been called or one of the linebackers said the guy shouldn't have been called for the hold on Cooper Cup I'm sorry he held him he grabbed him when Cooper ran straight towards him and then ran to out he grabbed his jersey and tried to pull him back in thought that was the right call and there was a few more that were questionable but honestly that's part of the game man you're gonna have some bad calls some good calls but it's your job to to not even make it that close where the referees have to make those calls. So I would just say, Bengals, you had many chances, especially with, like, the injuries. Like, Odell was down. There was no Robert Woods. Like, it was a close game, too. So the Bengals had their chances, too. Not mad at it. But like I said, I didn't really watch much of the game outside of halftime in the end just because I didn't really care. Like, it wasn't my teams in there. I went to a couple of house parties, stopped by Domain's parents first, hung out there, watched the first half, watched halftime. 
dipped out around the third quarter. I had some great chili there. They had vegan chili and the chili with the beef. I probably paid for it later, but I eat red meat like once a week. So that was like my one time. And honestly, up until that day, I hadn't really eaten red meat in probably two or three weeks. I've been doing really good on this. I just don't really feel the need for red meat anymore. I've, I've found alternatives. But if I'm at somebody's house and that's what they have, I'm going to eat it. It's not, it's not that big of a deal to me. You know, I work from home now, so the bathroom is easily accessible. I don't have to worry about being in an office, asking to go to the bathroom, not getting the toilet I want. Like, it's just not that bad anymore. So I can take those risks when I need to. But like I said, let's get to the halftime show. Because to me, that was the best part of the game. And I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I'm going to keep it all the way real. When I first watched it, I did not enjoy it. I don't know if it was because I couldn't really hear it as good. Because, you know, when you're around a lot of people, there's a lot of talking and stuff. So you're not hearing everything clearly. I could hear the songs that they were performing. But I couldn't get into all the details and the nerdy stuff like I wanted to. So when I went home, I ended up watching it again. And this on second watch, I said, you know what? This halftime show is not that bad. Because at first I said it was like mid, it was average. I was underwhelmed. But when I watched it at my house, in the silence of my house, and could just take in all the acoustics and the sound, I was like, this is actually a decent halftime show. Um, and then I watched it again today. This was my third time before the show. And I watched it a third time just because I wanted to make sure everything I'm going to say about it is like valid. So. When I watched it the third time, I liked it even more. So it seems like it's one of those, the more and more you watch it, the better it is. So I, I really enjoyed the halftime show. My only complaint, and no, it's not Eminem kneeling. Shout out to Eminem for kneeling. I actually thought that was a good gesture um, in support of Colin Kaepernick. But Eminem aside, my only complaint about the halftime show was that to me, the vocals were too low. Now, I checked with D'Angelo because he is the sound engineer guy. He went to Full Sail University. He, he studied all this. He, is a, he specializes in this. So I said, D'Angelo, did the vocals sound, did they sound too low to you? Because to me, they sounded low. He told me, no, it was normal. Now, respectfully, I'm going to have to disagree with D'Angelo because each time I've listened to it, the vocals just sound a little too low to me. I feel like the instrumentation is a lot louder. And then you have the crowd noise, which was louder. The vocals, you can still make out what they're saying. It's very clear. But I just would have liked the volume raised a little bit more. I don't know if that's just me. Y'all let me know if you think the vocals were a little bit too low too. Now let's get into the song selection. Because this was the big debate we had on last week's episode. Me and D'Angelo and then me and Jackie. I told them, one, I predicted Snoop was coming out to California Love or Snoop and Dre. I said they have to start the show with Snoop and Dre. I was right on that one. They came out to um, next episode, though. California Love was the second song I believe they played. So they came out to next episode. So I'm kind of going to give myself credit for them even playing California Love. Thought that had to be played. That was a must. Um. The one thing I know everybody's going to get on me, they didn't play nothing but a G thing. You said nothing but a G thing had to be played. They didn't play it. All right. Let's, let's just do a deep dive into this real quick because technically 
they did not play nothing but a G thing. However, after listening to this at home, like I said, when I listened to it at home, I was in complete silence. I was able to take in every sound of this performance. I heard a little hint of nothing but a G thing. And I'm going to play it for y'all because y'all probably think I'm lying. So I'm going to play it. It was a little hint of nothing but a G thing after they were transitioning out of California love. And y'all tell me if you can hear it, if you can make it out, if you can make it out, I get credit for this because I predicted it would play. And to me, they played it. So let's listen in. This is off of YouTube. Coming up right here. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear it? It's very quick. It's like. Matter of fact, I think I need to re. I'm going to rewind it because I want y'all just to listen one more time because I want I want my credit for nothing but a G thing being played. So I am going to rewind and let's let's just take. One more listen as a group. This is the halftime show. If you have your TV and you're watching that Super Bowl, um, the replay of the Super Bowl halftime show, because the NFL did put it up, over 46 million views on YouTube. Fast forward to around the 150 mark, the one minute, 50 second mark, and this is when you can hear it. So let me know if you guys hear it. Let's listen one more time. Okay, wait. I messed up. I messed up. Wait, did I mess up? Okay, I did mess up. All right, wait. I got to go back because I want you guys to hear it. All right. Probably 140, Mark. Just to be safe, let's go 140. Here it is. Listen close. Y'all tell me if you heard it. It was very quick. But I want my credit because technically it was a little hint. Like, I can't even say it was a full-fledged note. Like, I think it was just a... That's literally all you got. And then they went right back into the song. I'm curious to know why they did that, though, because it didn't seem like they were committed to playing that song. So, I'm, I man, I don't know if we'll ever get an answer, but I am very curious why they threw that little piano in there, keyboard, whatever you play the beat on. But with that being said, let's get to the song selections. Like I said, they come out to next episode. Probably top five most popular Dr. Dre songs. I still have nothing but a G thing in the top five. But I'm not mad at that selection. California Love was the second song. Another strong selection. If we're talking Dr. Dre, a lot of people didn't think it could be done without Tupac. But they were able to um, do it with just Dre's part and it made sense. We'll get to the Tupac part later, too, because there's a little little ode to Tupac later on the show. After California Love, 50 Cent comes out, or hangs upside down, I guess is what you want to call it. He hangs upside down, recreates the In the Club video, and, he, and all the comments now are talking about his weight. They said he looked a little big, a little heavy. Domain made a good point, because I was watching this with Domain and Jarvis. Shout out to them. Domain said he's not really fat, but it's like, when you're 40, mid-40s, you got, like, muscle, but you also have a little fat. So it's going to look like muscle fat. 
But it's not like it doesn't look embarrassing. It doesn't look like, oh my gosh, like you shouldn't be looking going outside like that. He had the G unit like bra strap looking. Uh, I don't know if I can say the term for what it was. Like we used to call it the WB. <laughs> um, but it's like a tank top. And he had the the G unit one, which looks nowadays like I don't even <laughs> it was I guess it was a good idea in the beginning, but nobody I've never seen anybody wear that after like two thousand five. But anyways, 50 Cent is wearing that. People are making fun of his weight. I thought he looked okay for a 46-year-old man or however he old he is. I think he's like 46. So. I wasn't mad at it. That's how you should look in your 40s. Like, not fat, but not ripped, but in shape. He looked like he was in shape. So I thought the comments might have been a little unfair, but of course you have like 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds who think their bodies are not going to look like that when they get to his age. You would probably be happy to look like that at his age. So he does that. My only complaint was that I'm not a big fan of In The Club. I think In The Club is a great song. It's probably, I'll go as far as to say it's timeless. It's a classic. But it, it's just been played so much that I'm kind of over In The Club. I'm just tired of hearing it. I feel like every time I go out downtown Orlando, that's like the go-to at any bar they want to play In The Club. And I get why they played it at the Super Bowl because it's one of those songs that will appeal to the black audience and the white audience. And at the Super Bowl, it's very important to appeal to the white audience, too. So all these selections, I understood why they did it and what the point was. 50 Cent, cool, got in the club out the way, went straight to, uh, we go to Kendrick Lamar after that, which to me, Kendrick, his performance is probably the highlight of this halftime show. Kendrick, we already know, is a great performer, but he took it to another level. The dancers he had with him were incredible. They reminded me of the S1Ws. I don't know if you guys know old school Public Enemy, but if you watch like any Public Enemy video or performance, they always have like these dancers in the back in all black, and they're called the S1Ws. It's about maybe like five or six of them, and they do these synchronized dances. Super cool stuff, but that's what Kendrick's performance reminded me of with those guys. It was a whole, about, whole lot more than the S1Ws. But it was just dope to see that blackness because, you know, you could just feel the blackness in Kendrick's performance, man. And those dancers, man, they gave me like people said Rhythm Nation. I'm not mad at Rhythm Nation, but to me, it was more S1W than Rhythm Nation. Like I said, if you watch Fight the Power or any Public Enemy video, you'll see what I'm talking about. Shout out to the S1Ws. They don't get enough love on that Public Enemy catalog either. But Kendrick's dancers, man, they were amazing. And all the dancers overall in this performance were really good, like. You could tell they put in a lot of work, probably a lot of blood, sweat, and tears practicing. A lot of hours they spent um, out there at SoFi. They said they were playing Don't Stop Believing or one of those like rock songs in the loudspeaker so the people in the neighborhood couldn't hear what they were playing during the practices. And I'm, I'm happy that the, the word didn't get out on what the songs were going to be ahead of time. I'm glad it was a surprise because nowadays you don't really get surprises anymore. So that was really cool. I'm sure everybody had to sign NDAs. But after Kendrick's performance, oh, let's go over the songs too. He comes out to um, what's that song? I'm not sure. It's called it's off Good Kid Mad City, but you guys know Man Down, where you're from, my you know. He comes out to that one. Then he goes into what I predicted he would do. We gonna be all right. You had to do that. That's probably one of his most popular songs. 
Not sure if that's a crossover one where the white audience is gonna like it, but Kendrick ain't Kendrick don't care. Kendrick's giving you what Kendrick wants to give you. So I love that the song selections too. I thought those were two great selections from him. Not mad at him not going with other ones I predicted. Thought those fit. After Kendrick, we go into Mary J. Blige, I believe. Or was Mary J. before? I think, no. I think Mary J. came. All right, I might be messing this up. So forgive me if I'm messing this up. But at some point between 50 and uh, M, it was Mary J. So if she's before or after Kendrick, I can't remember. But Mary J. comes out. And, man, let me just... Let me just take a moment to give Mary J. Blige her flowers because she's she's close to 50, if not 50. And she looks beautiful, like freaking amazing. Her legs, the legs were the highlight to me. Mary J. Mary J. Blige's legs, mainly her thighs, stood out because it was just beautiful. Um, Man, just the shape, the color, like just everything looked great about her. And they were talking to her at Hot 97 today. I was watching the interview, and they're asking her, like, how she gets her skin so flawless. And she says, you know, she does her routine, whatever the, the facial lady tells her to do. She uses the creams and stuff. But it works, man, because Mary J, when they say black don't crack, you look at those legs, that's, that's the definition of black don't crack. Her legs are amazing. I didn't realize... I knew Mary J had that sexiness to her because I've seen pictures of her like in the bathing suits and stuff. And she looks good. Like she got that thickness and everything. But man, I just, I couldn't stop looking at those legs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But she comes out. She does um, what we thought she would do. Family affair. It's a Dr. Dre beat. Have to do that. And I thought that was the perfect selection for her. Now the next song she does is where some people were like, I don't know if she should have did that. She does No More Drama as her second song, because it seemed like everybody only got, like, two songs, except Snoop and Dre. They had, like, more than that, because, I don't know, California, whatever. So she does No More Drama. At first, I wasn't feeling it, kind of like in the club. But when I watch this back, I do like these songs better on the Super Bowl halftime show. So In the Club, to me, sounded better on the third listen. No more drama sounded better to me on the third listen. I still think she probably could have did um, Real Love. Real Love or I'm Going Down. Honestly, I'm Going Down and No More Drama probably could have both fit in the same like type of song she was doing. But she explained it on Hot 97. She said she did No More Drama because everything that's been going on in the world with the mask, COVID, the violence, the killings, black on black crimeless, everything, husband's killing their families. She just wanted to say, hey, we don't want no more drama. We want to go into it a little bit more positive. And she said, actually, one thing I didn't know, she said Dr. Dre picked the song. So I think he picked everybody's songs. So seemed like it was a Dre selection, but she was happy to do that. And that's why she did No More Drama. Like I said, on the third listen, I understood it. It sounded better. But you, if you didn't like the show or if you had any issues, I would just say, Go back and listen to it again or watch it again by yourself at home. And it probably you'll like it a little bit more. But at a party, it probably didn't hit the same, at least for me, unless you had like somewhere with like huge speakers blasting everything. But if you go back and watch it again, I think everybody will enjoy this. Some people are saying it's the best halftime show of all time. 
Pump the brakes, everybody. Relax. Let's not go that far. It's a great show. I would say it's probably top 10. I'm going to give it top 10. I don't know if I want to put it in the top five. Like I said, it's still not better than Beyonce and Bruno. Bruno by himself. Beyonce by herself. Michael Jackson. Prince. Like, we have a lot of competition. Even J-Lo and Shakira was really good. So, let's pump the brakes on best of all time. But it exceeded expectations. I will say that. At first, I was very harsh on it. And I'm walking everything back. I'm saying I have really enjoyed this. So, after Mary J. Blige performs Eminem, we finally get the Eminem appearance. D'Angelo, I think it was D'Angelo, but certain people were saying Eminem was going to close this show. I fought against it. I did not want Eminem closing the show. I don't think you close it with a Detroit guy in California. I am so happy they closed it with Snoop and Dre. We'll get to that in a minute. But Eminem comes out, and the first song he does, and it's not really, he just does the chorus to Forgot About Dre. After that, he goes right into Lose Yourself. This is... I'm not a huge Eminem guy, so I can't really tell you which song Eminem probably should have did. I'm glad he didn't do the ones about killing his mom or his wife, his ex-wife and all that. Lose Yourself, honestly, is probably Eminem's most popular song. I think he won um, an, a Grammy and an Oscar for it because of 8 Mile, the movie. So that was probably his safest choice. And I'm sure Dre picked it. So I'm not mad. That was a good that was a good choice for Eminem. Probably a great. Yeah, I'll give him a good great choice for Lose Yourself. I know he got the little mom spaghetti line in there. He got that restaurant in Detroit. Um after the Eminem performance, he kneels. And some people were saying it was because of Colin Kaepernick. Some people were saying it wasn't. He just I don't know. I think he did do it because of Kaepernick. But there was a lot of rumors like the NFL told him not to kneel. He kneeled there. Oh, everybody's like, oh, Eminem's so rebellious. Look at him going against the machine. Man, stop it. <laughs> There's no way the NFL told Eminem he couldn't kneel. When you, and they made a good point. They said we have NFL players who still kneel. Why would we tell Eminem he can't kneel? And why would you even tell Eminem anything knowing he's going to go and do it anyway? There's just no way I believe they told Eminem he couldn't kneel. I believe that he just, he probably, I don't know if he told them he was going to kneel. I don't know if he did it in the practices or not, but I don't think the NFL was mad at it. I don't think it was as big of a deal as everybody made it. But you know what? This goes back to my whole point where black people could do something and it's very like average. Like nobody pay, pays attention to my bats and I, we had mad like black players kneeling still after Colin Kaepernick. Nobody really talks about it. Well, once a white person kneels, it's like the biggest story headlines oh my gosh, she's so brave and courageous. And it just goes like that with everything it seems like when like black people do something like even rapping. There's some amazing lyricists out there like Cool G Rap, Rakim, uh, KRS-One, Black Thought. And these guys don't really get the props they deserve. But if a white rapper comes along and he's really good like Eminem, it gets so much attention. He's the greatest ever, blah, blah, blah. So I just feel like anytime a white person does anything that black people normally do, it's going to be a little bit overhyped. People are going to talk about it more. So the kneeling thing, it is what it is. Props to Eminem just for even doing it. But I don't think it deserved all the headlines it got. So after Eminem does his set, this is where I'm not sure if we went back to Mary J. Blige. And I think we went after M back to Snoop and Dre to close it. And Dr. Dre does a little, yeah, 
Actually, yeah, we go from Eminem to Dre because this is when Dre got on the piano and Eminem while Eminem was kneeling. Shout out to Anderson Pock too. He was on the drums and he did a fantastic job. I don't know if these guys were really playing these instruments. I don't even know if these if Dre and them were really rapping or if it was all like voiced already. That's what I couldn't tell. And I couldn't tell that because one, they bleeped out Kendrick's um line about the police, but then when Dre made a line about the police, they didn't bleep it out. So I'm like, is this really them singing or rapping? I couldn't tell. People said Mary was lip syncing. The more I watch it, it's really hard to tell. So that all that shows me is however they produced this, they did a great job because I couldn't tell either way. But Dr. Dre gets on the piano. He starts playing I Ain't Mad At You, the um, Tupac song from back in the day, on a white piano too, which I think was in the video where Tupac was in the all white, which was uh, very nostalgic for me. I thought at this point I was convinced we were getting a Tupac hologram. I swore Tupac was getting, we were getting the hologram. People were like, no, we don't want the hologram. So I'm kind of glad they didn't do the hologram. But that was a nice little ode to Tupac, him playing. I ain't mad at you. He let that rock for a little bit. A lot longer than that G thing <laughs> key I let y'all hear earlier. But after he goes with that, he goes into uh, Still DRE, which is another like piano-driven song. And I thought that was just a nice mix into that. Then he gets up, he walks down to the other area where Snoop is at, and they, they just start the Still DRE song. And that, to me, top five Dr. Dre song of all time. Perfect song to end this performance with. And you got Snoop Crip walking while he's wearing all blue. And Dre's performing, and that's when he gives the We Still Ain't Loving Police um, line in there that they let rock out. And then the show ends with that uh, after that song. So I just thought it was just a really well put together halftime show. Shout out to Jay-Z and Rock Nation for even putting this together. I've been hard on them in the past. I'm going to give props where props are due. This show was phenomenal. Great performance. The production was great. Like I said, musically, everything sounded great. Vocals probably could have been a little louder, but instrumentation was great. It was amazing. The dancers did a great job. The performers did a great job. It's definitely, I'm going to put it in my top 10 Super Bowl performances of all time. One, because it was just straight hip-hop. Even Mary J. Blige, she's R&B, but she's pretty much a hip-hop type R&B act. So props to the NFL. Hopefully in the future, we can get more performances like this. I'm just praying this is like a step in the right direction. And I enjoyed this more than the game. I enjoyed it more than the game. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. If you guys have anything you want to say about the Super Bowl or the performances, you want to tell me that you did not hear nothing but a G thing in that clip I played, let me know. would like to hear all feedback on if you even think this is the top 10 performance of all time. Hit me up, jlawradio at outlook.com. You can tweet me too. I'm returning to Twitter in March. At J-Law Radio on Twitter. Tweet me there. I'll, I'll respond in March. But I do want to hear what everybody has to say about that. Speaking of like Dr. Dre's line about the police and everything. Let's just get into some, some more stuff going on here. Jay-Z, while he did put on a great Super Bowl show. He's recently been trying. Him and Meek Mill have been trying to do something. Where they are trying to get rappers lyrics that are used against them not like a missable in court thrown out, however you want to call it. And I think this is very reckless. 
I'm a fan of Jay-Z. I understand what he's trying to do. I know police reform is needed. But we got to take accountability in the black community at some point. And I think that's missing it right now. These rappers, especially like the New York drill rappers, and this has been like a big issue for the last month. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, is now saying he's trying to ban like the drill rap from even being played on YouTube. And he's going to start like arresting based off stuff. But I've seen the argument on both sides of this. I've seen people say that these lyrics should not be used um, against them because all they're doing is talking about a story. Who knows if they're even saying they did something. They're just storytelling. I'm going to tell you my issue with that. Storytelling, we could have used that excuse. 90s, 2000s, we had rappers who mainly rapped about what they saw when they were hanging around like their friends who were really doing the street stuff. I think that's what hip hop originally was. We didn't have a lot of actual killers in hip hop. Over the years, things have changed. Now we have the killers who are rapping and they are rapping about stuff they have done. So when you have that going on, I think it's unfair to say, oh, they're just expressing themselves. This is storytelling. If you listen to some of these lyrics, these guys are very specific on the crimes they're committing. And I think when you are that specific, you're basically doing the job for the detective that should be able to be used against you in court. But if it's something vague, I, I agree. That should not be used against you. Like if you were like, yo, I was, um, I was rolling in with my boy. Actually, I don't even, I'm not even going to try to make an example because it's, it's all going to sound like incriminating if I try to say it. Cause I don't know what's the proper way to do it and what's not. But I just know the way these guys are going about it, talking about the ops and smoking on certain people that have passed away and pissing on graves, like just the most disrespectful stuff you're hearing. I'm sorry. That stuff should be able to be used against you if you are giving them enough ammunition to find or to make a case. Because a lot of times they have the evidence, but they don't have a motive. If you're rapping about it and you're giving them the motive, that should be used against you. That should be able to be used against you. And I, maybe it's just me getting older, but I'm just over all the violence in hip-hop, man. And I think if we don't start policing it ourselves and putting some consequences to this, these guys are going to keep doing it. So everybody talks about police reform. I think we need hip-hop reform. And I don't know what that means or what that entails, but it has to be something where we get the direction of hip hop back on the right path. We need more positivity. We need less violence. I don't care what anybody says. The music influences kids. It might not influence me and you in our thirties, but a 16 year old who wants to be cool, who wants clout, they're going to do this stuff. They're hearing in the songs. They're going to try to emulate all this. So we need some type of hip hop reform I'm actually on board with what Eric Adams is trying to do. I know rappers are arguing like um, he had a meeting with like Fabio and all of them last night. And I'm looking forward to the video coming out on that so I can hear both sides of it because I do want to be fair. But the arguments they're making now, they're not good arguments. Like these guys are literally telling you how they are committing crimes. And then they're telling you they don't want the they don't want this used against them. Come on, fam. Like. We got to be more responsible. 
Who, first of all, why are you even rapping about this, the stuff you're doing? It's just so much we could get into that. And I'm sure on later episodes, we'll do more of a deep dive. That's more of a topic I'd like to discuss when I have somebody sitting across from me or on the phone, somebody I can just talk to about. One thing that I didn't get to speak on last week was the whole Whoopi Goldberg situation with The View. Actually, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Let me talk about CJ McCollum one more time. So I did the CJ, the Farewell CJ episode last week. I forgot to say a few more things about him, so I'm going to get to that. Uh, You know what happened to me last week, too? I hurt my back. I hurt my back getting out of bed, man. And this, this lets me know that I'm washed. No, getting out of the shower. I'm sorry. I just took a step. Like, I'm talking to people at my job now. Like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, fam, when you're close to 40, the wrong step could just take you out for like a week. So I hurt my back. I think I pulled a muscle. I couldn't even walk like most of the day. I was just laying in the bed. And I, I say all that to say, like, this reminds me of CJ McCollum when he played in the damn NBA bubble with a fractured back. So I was like, man, I got to give him some props. I didn't talk about that last week. I have actually a list of like top five CJ moments from the trailblazer era that I'm going to talk about. And this is, this is one of them. He was in the bubble playing. I was supposedly was a fractured back and they had asked him about it after one of the games. And he does the Mike Tyson um, impersonation on I broke my back spinal with Damian Lillard it's in the background. Uh, the good Lord has taken I broke my back spinal. <laughs> good Lord has taken good care. So that was just a classic line. That's top five CJ moment of all time. Another top five CJ moment of all time. I'm trying Jennifer. This happened when a woman on Twitter by the name of Jennifer had clapped, at, clapped back at something CJ said. And she said, why don't you guys win a playoff series? <laughs> and he tweets back, I'm trying, Jennifer. <laughs> and that became like this big deal in Portland. Um, people were making shirts with it. It was like a hashtag. That was one of my favorite times uh, being a Blazer fan because we were just putting that. We were attaching that to everything. When somebody would say something, you're like, I'm trying, Jennifer. And then I have friends whose uh, significant others are Jennifer, named Jennifer. I love using that line on them. Another classic CJ moment. This is also top five in the NBA bubble. Now, this might have been before he fractured the bat. But he was playing against the Grizzlies. And I think this was the go to this was the like deciding games for who got to go into the playoffs. This might have been the playing game. So CJ's like giving John ja Morant the business the whole game. And then at the end, he scores on him. And you could just hear him mouth. You can't fucking guard me. And that was, we like Blazer Twitter, maybe this is something stuff that didn't make it to the mainstream, but Blazer Twitter went crazy over that line. And they, of course, mentioned it again after he got traded. A lot of memories off of that one. Another top CJ moment. They were playing against the Clippers. And, uh, or no, this might have been the Kings. It's either the Kings or the Clippers, forgive me. I think it was Luke Walton. I think it was Luke Walton. He was complaining about something. And this is during um, COVID. It was during COVID and all that. And Luke Walton's complaining, and he pulls the mask down to talk to the ref. And CJ says, Coach, put your mask on. <laughs> and then he has to put the mask back on. And that was just hilarious, too. And then 
the final moment, which I'm trying to find the video as we speak, because um, we have to play this with the video. The infamous CJ and Damian Lillard interaction over Instagram Live talking about Jamal Murray, whose nudes have had gotten leaked at the time. <laughs> and I think this was like during the NBA bubble too. So CJ and Dave are just having like a great time talking about this. And I'm going to play it for you. I was online learning about dogs again because I ain't had one since I was 14. And I was like, all right, toothbrush, shampoo. Um, I don't like, I don't want to put nothing around the neck. Like, I don't want to have her. They said my, they said my pubes look like Jamal Murray. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, this is why you can't. It's like you can't have CJ online because you go bro, address them reading, type of comments. You can't address them type of comments, bro. Just read the comments, bro. Um, they say it looked like, look like Katie's head. Bro, what? <laughs> but it was the comments, bro. They, shout out to my guys, Jamal and Katie. But, um, bro, yeah, so I, I ordered all this stuff. You can't be addressing dogs, these comments, bro. Bro, what you mean? Bro, I ordered the dog. That was a classic moment. <laughs> He's clowning Jamal Murray. He's basically saying, like, if he tries to grow a beard, it's going to look like Jamal Murray's pubes or Katie's hair. CJ had no filter, and it was just hilarious how he said it. And Dame is the one like, yo, you got to chill, man. What do you do? You can't talk like this on IG. We're like NBA players. You know, we're, we are people that, I guess, celebrities. CJ didn't care. And I love that interaction. Those are the top five CJ Blazer moments. Um, want to make sure I sent my guy off right. He looks good in New Orleans too. Honestly, this looks like a pretty even trade. Now that I'm looking back at it, seeing some games played, he's giving them a lot of scoring. But this Blazer team, yo, this Blazer team, they look good. They look really good with this trade. We got Josh Hart and a first rounder. And we had Nikhil Alexander, whatever his name is, Walker. We traded him. We flipped that for Elijah Hughes and um, Joe Ingles. But this Blazer team, man, three-game winning streak. I'm talking about now they did get whooped by the Magic after the trade. But we're not even counting that because we didn't have Josh Hart. We didn't have any of our players from these trades. So I'm not counting that. After they got whooped by the Magic, they come back and beat the Lakers. They come back after that. They beat the Knicks after being down by 23 points in the third quarter. Then, this is the best one. Uh, two nights ago, they beat the freaking Milwaukee Bucks. And as a, as a And I know, look. Giannis didn't play. Everybody's going to say, Greek Freak didn't play. Guess what? Damian Lillard didn't play either. We're even. But the reason that trade or the reason that win stood out to me is because me being a Blazer fan, I can tell you, every year for the last probably five years, we've never beaten the Bucs. We always lose to the Bucs no matter who they have or who we have. So just the fact that we were able to beat the Bucs, that gives me some... Uh, Hope for the future makes me feel good about this team. One thing I'm learning about this team, too, they are scrappy. They are scrappy, and they're doing everything I said. They, they play so hard for Chauncey Billups. 
And that was the worry. Everybody was like, oh, you guys are going to be a freaking lottery team. You're tanking. Honestly, I wanted to tank. But the way they're playing right now, they're playing so hard that I think, I think at least the play-ins is a playing game is possible. If they keep playing like this, Josh Hart is so freaking efficient, man. This man's like 10 for 16, 27 points in our games. Like, he's giving us what CJ was giving us, but he's doing it on less shots. We're, the ball movement is freaking ridiculous at this point. We had 30 assists against the Bucs. That's unheard of for a Blazer team. They are just so unselfish. They play defense. They hustle. I'm still worried about the size because after Nurk, we don't really have a center, but I'm telling you right now, this team is going to make things interesting the rest of this season, and I'm a little bit more excited now. I'm actually going to drive to Atlanta in March to watch them play the Hawks because my cousin has season tickets. And after that Milwaukee game, I said, I got to go to Atlanta. I got to go watch these guys. I missed them in Orlando. I got to go watch. I got to support. I'm going to Vegas, too, because I still think we will end up with some type of lottery pick, whether it's from us or the Pelicans. But, yeah, I'm excited. I'm sad to see CJ go, but I understand now what Chauncey was trying to do. And if you heard me on the last podcast, I told D'Angelo and I told Jackie both. Chauncey is trying to get players who play his style of basketball. He's he's like the older guys. I don't think they were really buying into what Chauncey Billups was trying to do. So he said, all right, I'm about to bring in my own people who can do what I want. He loves Josh Hart. And I think we're seeing that now with the results. These wins are coming because he has the players who fit his system. Damian Lillard should not be worried. The future looks very bright for this team. Add a few additions of free agency. I wanted Jeremy Grant, but at this point, I don't even think we need Jeremy Grant. We, don't, we definitely don't need to overpay. Like, if we get Jeremy Grant for the low, I'll take him. But the way our young guys are coming along, I mean, Nazir Little's out for the season with a shoulder injury, but he'll be back next year. He's similar to, like, a Jeremy Grant. Greg Brown, the third, who dunks everything, is another one. To me, he has, like, Jeremy Grant, dare I even say Greek freak type of potential, if he can put it all together. Just a very long guy. If he pause, <laughs> if he gets that jump shot and those handles right, he is going to be scary. Greg Brown the third, remember that name. I'm probably as high on him as I am on Anthony Simons right now. I didn't even get to Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons is dropping like 30 every night. He is, if he doesn't win most improved player this year, something's wrong. But like I've been telling people, and I'm going to tell anybody who will listen, Anthony Simons will be an all-star in the next two years. Not counting this season. Next two seasons after that, he will be an all-star one of those seasons. I'm calling it now. This guy is too good. Potential is sky high. But, yes, I say all that to say. Farewell, CJ. I miss you already, but it was a move that had to be made. You know, I remember, man, when we first got CJ, he had broke his foot. I'm going to tell you how big of a CJ fan I was and how big I was on CJ, and I knew he was going to be great. Just like I'm telling you, Simons is going to be great. When CJ broke his foot, he had to go down to the G League, and he was on reassignment. I stayed up one night. I was watching this G League game. I don't even know what the team was. Rancho Cucamonga, one of them. They were playing, and me and Mike were going downtown. So Mike comes to pick me up. I say, Mike, we can't leave until this CJ McCollum G League game is over. I made Mike sit there in my room with me, and we watched the CJ McCollum G League 
game because I think it was, this was his first time even playing in the G League. It was like his debut. And we watched that before we went out to the club that night. And Mike is just like, why are you so obsessed with this guy? I'm like, Mike, this guy's going to be good. Mike didn't even understand it at, the point, at that time. I bet he'll understand, he understands it now. But I was like, when I tell y'all I believe in a player, and it, it always ends up happening. So when I'm telling you about Anthony Simons, the same feeling I got when I was watching CJ in that G League game, and he had like 15 points or like maybe 20. But it was just the fact that he finally had gotten to play. He was hitting his jumper. Like, I just saw it early. So, miss you, CJ. But this Blazer team is for real. All right, now let me get to the Whoopi Goldberg thing because I was going to get to that, but I did not have my video queued up at the time. So, everybody probably knows all the drama with Whoopi. She just returned to The View. She was suspended for two weeks because she had made comments about, I guess she said black people, or no, she said the uh, Jewish people didn't, something about Jewish people and they shouldn't be compared to black people because ours is about race, theirs is about religion. And she got in trouble. She got suspended for those comments. A lot of people up in arms. Some people defended her and one person who I was kind of surprised that defended her was a Jewish person named Peter Rosenberg, who I'm a big fan of. But when he defended her, I took, listen, because you know what? I'm not Jewish. I don't know what's right and what's wrong in these situations. I don't say nothing bad about Jewish people because I know it can go wrong. And you saw Myers Leonard still ain't got back in the NBA after he said what he said, so... When it comes to stuff about Jewish people, I err on the side of caution. I only thing I say is like whatever Farrakhan says, I always try to clear that up for people because people think he hates all Jewish people. And I tell people he's not, he never says that. I've never heard him say that on all the speeches I've watched. He just doesn't like anybody who's bad on any side, like whether it's race or religion. If you're not doing things right, that's what he has a problem with. But as far as Rippy Goldberg's situation goes, I want to play for you guys what Peter Rosenberg had to say about it because I just thought his side was interesting and you guys have probably only heard like people bashing Whoopi. So I want to play something more maybe understanding, more pro Whoopi on this side. So take a listen to what Rosenberg uh, okay. has to say. So what I really, I'm about to go on the air. I have to do a radio show, but I found myself so frustrated today about this Whoopi Goldberg story, which now there's a headline. Whoopi threatening to quit the view over suspension. She is livid, threatening to quit the view over her suspension. And I just want to say that I so wholeheartedly understand why she would be livid. How could she not be livid? Whoopi Goldberg is a person who has been on the right side of every issue. She speaks up for every group, every disenfranchised group, every group that's maligned. Whoopi is like this, at this point in time, like an old lady you watch on TV who's always on the right side of everything. I could picture her sitting around with my family talking about the issues. And she just sits around and speaks honestly with people about her feelings. And now, during a conversation about the Holocaust, she said the Holocaust was not about race. And for some reason, people are choosing to use this as a divisive opportunity to punish Whoopi Goldberg for some reason. In theory, 
with the idea being that you're combating anti-Semitism, even though there's nothing anti-Semitic about what she said, and and the effect that you're actually having is fostering anti-Semitism, is fostering the idea that when people say something negative about Jewish people, it's always a big deal. And in this case, she didn't even say anything negative. As my dad eloquently put in his article on Substack today, as, as, as proud Jewish people who know about the Holocaust, we it's never described as being something about race. I mean, yes, if you want to say, you know, the, the Jewish race, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. We're an ethnicity, a religion, not a race. So let's suppose for a moment you on some level disagree with the fundamental idea that Whoopi was expressing. Okay. You want to have a semantic discussion because she said it's not about race and you're saying, oh, no, 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 well, it depends because he did want, Hitler wanted to create the Aryan race. Okay, you can have a semantic discussion about it. Knock yourself out. But she's suspended for two weeks after she already apologized? She went on TV and apologized more than once, and now she has to be suspended for two weeks? What what goal are we accomplishing here? What is the good? So And, and then you have to deal with right-wingers like Meghan McCain standing up and denouncing her because she cares about anti-Semitism? Nothing, nothing was anti-Semitic! Nothing that she said was anti-Jewish. She wasn't Holocaust denying, downplaying. It was simply saying it was not about race, which, by the way, is an important thing. Again, as my dad pointed out, an important thing to understand is that it's not about race because it means it could happen to you too. It's not only people of color who under attack at different times in this world. Sometimes it'll be because of your religious background or it'll be because you're from a country, the Bosnians and the Serbs, the Armenians and the Turks. How many different versions do we have where race isn't the core of the issue because the people all look the same? Yes, you can make an argument about the Aryan race, but the truth is there were lots of Jews in Europe who looked like everybody else. Look at me. Look at my family. We're not some different, different race. race. You, you think, think I, know I know what, what it's, it's like, like to, to walk, walk down, down the street and have people... people know who I am, uh, know my background, or judge me or hurl an epithet at me because they see me? Sure, I may get anti-Semitic attacks. I certainly do online from people who know that I'm Jewish. But you can't compare that to the racial experience. You don't have to. She wasn't saying it that the Holocaust wasn't the worst thing ever. It was a semantic discussion. And now this good person who's always been on the right side of every issue is being torn to shreds and forced to submit publicly and, and take this lashing, pardon the term, but that's essentially what it is. It's disgusting. Why would they do that to her? She should be livid. I'm livid. You're not helping the cause for Jews. This fosters more anti-Semitism. It's absolutely ridiculous. It makes me sick. It really bothers me because there's real anti-Semitism that happens. There are people who get attacked, synagogues that get shot up. Really bad things happen. People have hated Jews and attacked Jews senselessly since the dawn of time. That's not Whoopi Goldberg. That's not what she was doing. 
What the hell are you doing? Leave Whoopi alone. That's Peter Rosenberg. His words, not mine, but I do agree with what he said. Like, it wasn't about race. It wasn't about race. Um, the Holocaust wasn't about race. So when Whoopi was saying it's not the same because it's about race, like we get treated based on our race, that's a valid point. I, I'm just happy somebody Jewish co-signed what Whoopi said because she was getting dragged. She was getting dragged. Everybody was mad about it. And people are confusing race with ethnicity, with religion, and they're two different things. So I'm just glad Rosenberg was able to speak on that. There's not much more for me to add to it because he broke it down clearly. And that's that's why I wanted to play that in its entirety because I felt like his opinion was very strong and I hope more people hear it. I hope it gets out to more people because all I heard was a lot of bad things about Whoopi in the past. So props to Peter Rosenberg for that. And he was using the same microphone that I use. That's probably why his voice sounded so clear um, on that. So I, yeah, nothing else to say there. Still waiting on Mark to get back to me on when we're going to discuss Joe Rogan and Aquafina. We have not recorded that yet. Thought we were going to do it last Friday. I didn't hear from Mark. So I just left it alone because I'm like, you know what? He's probably busy. He got a wife, two kids. I don't, I don't get in the way of the family stuff. You know, I know everybody's busy when you got family, so. Figure whenever Mark's ready, he'll get to me on that. Something I heard, uh, Amazon. Amazon Prime, and this is a little bit old. This happened like a couple weeks ago. Their price for Amazon Prime is going up from $140 annually to, uh, no, wait. It's going up to $140 annually. I'm sorry. It used to be like $119, I believe. And then if you paid by month, it was probably around $130, $140. Now it's going to be 180 as a total if you do it month by month. And a lot of people are mad. A lot of people are livid. Me, personally, I don't really care. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm the type of person who barely uses Amazon. And when I order, I have the patience that I can wait five days for it to come. I will make sure if I'm buying anything, it's over $35. So I don't have to pay for the delivery fees, the shipping fees. So... I don't know. It doesn't really affect me. And I'm also the type of person who, when they offer the free 30 day trial for Amazon prime, I always do it and they do it about two times a year. So if you want to be like me and not spend money on Amazon prime two times a year, they will offer you the free 30 day trial, Amazon prime. This is what you do. You accept that. And then after you accept it immediately after you don't have to wait, you can go and cancel it. But once you accept it, you're locked in for that 30 days. So even if you cancel, you still get the free 30 days of Amazon Prime. That's something people don't know. Because once you go to cancel, they'll make it seem like you're going to lose everything. You're, like, you're going to lose your benefits. Blah, blah. They're just saying you're not going to get Amazon Prime after 30 days. But you can cancel it right after you agree to it. That way you don't have to worry about forgetting to take it off or cancel it later and getting charged. And I always do that. And then I order stuff that I want like within a day or two-day delivery. So I feel bad for the people who are getting their prices raised, but everything's going up nowadays. The Netflix price went up. My eggs at Walmart, which I laughed at Mike. I got to apologize to Mike. My eggs at Walmart, the six pack was 33 cents before the pandemic. 
Last time I went, those eggs were over a dollar. Mike was right. I got to apologize to him on that one. I told him he was right, though, when they went up to like 60 cents. So I got to tell him now that they're over a dollar. Inflation is real. Everybody's saying that we won't be able to combat inflation until the feds raise the rates on the interest, which I still don't understand how all of it works. But apparently we're going to have these inflation problems until the interest rates go up. But then the people want to buy houses. Your interest is going to be higher on your mortgages. I don't know. It's a lot to think about, but hopefully everybody can just get through these tough times. Like I told y'all, McDonald's is hiring for $14 an hour. So prices are high, but if you eat out, you're probably, it's going to, it's all going to balance out and you'll probably be like the similar to what you made before because the prices are expensive everywhere. I went to Popeye's the other day. Let me get into Popeye's for a minute too. Their prices were kind of high, but my issue with Popeye's I think Popeye's has the worst service. That's customer service and just the service of getting you your food, everything. Popeye's has the worst service out of any fast food restaurant I've ever been to. Even McDonald's on their worst day. I would say Chick-fil-A on their worst day, but they don't have a worst day. Um, Taco Bell on their worst day, which they've had some. None of it equates to how bad, but you know what? Church's chicken on their worst day. None of it equates to how bad the customer service and service in general is at Popeye's. It is atrocious. And I feel like every Popeye's I've ever been to, the service is the same. I don't know where they get trained at. Like, I literally want to know how they do their training at Popeye's because they all act the same. They got an attitude at the counter like you're at the Jamaican restaurant. But at least at the Jamaican restaurant, you get your food in like a reasonable amount of time. That doesn't happen at Popeye's. I told y'all, I had the macaroni and cheese from Popeye's maybe three weeks ago. And I went in there and there was like two people ahead of me. And it took like 40 minutes. To, maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But it took about at least 20 maybe 30 minutes to get the damn macaroni and cheese from waiting in line to placing my order to receiving the food. It was macaroni and cheese. All the guy had to do was grab it and hand it to me. But it took a good 20 to 30 minutes with two people ahead of me in line. That's how bad Popeye's service was. Now, granted, I did go inside, and when you go inside, it's always going to be slower than the drive-thru. I've learned this from working at fast food restaurants. Their priority is more on the drive-thru. But... I always get tricked when I go up to the drive-thru. The line of cars is like 10, 15 cars. I'm like, man, they would be quicker to go inside. And honestly, sometimes it is quicker. Like if I go to McDonald's for my coffee in the morning, it's quicker to go inside when the line is long. Because McDonald's is just, say what you want about McDonald's if you don't like the food. McDonald's customer service is decent. It's not Chick-fil-A level, but it is decent. It's probably above average. They got a little attitude, but they're going to give you food in a decent amount of time. Popeye's, like I said, I've waited like 30 minutes for this macaroni and cheese. So I said, all right, maybe it was just an off day. I went back to Popeye's last week because, um, what did I do? I was eating, I was eating these ribs I had got from Aldi. They're like these ribs you put in the um, oven. And I was like, you know, I need some sides to go with these ribs. So I was like, all right, I'll get some French fries from Wendy's because I had a coupon for buy one, get one free. The only way I was about to go get some French fries. And then I said, I'm going to go with Popeye's and get the macaroni and cheese because last time they gave me the big macaroni and cheese, I'll say that. I waited that 30 minutes, but I only paid for the regular. They gave me the large one. So I said, maybe I'll get lucky again. 
So I go to the Popeyes over here where I live. And the line in the drive-thru, it's not bad, but it's like seven cars. Now, seven, seven cars in the drive Actually, it was, it was probably five cars. Five cars in the drive-thru at Popeyes is probably the equivalent to 30 cars in a drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. That's about the, the time it's going to take for you to get to the window. Just because they're so slow. Drive-thru, too. So I said, I'm going inside. I'm rolling the dice again. Maybe, I, maybe it'll be all right. All I got to do, my thinking, and I told y'all, y'all probably like, why is he even going inside when he just said this? I said, this is my thinking. I'm just getting macaroni and cheese. All I, so my game plan is like, all right, all I got to do is get to the register. Once I get to the register and get that order in, they will see how simple it is, and they'll just turn around, grab the macaroni and cheese off the little hot thing, and hand it to me. Because, you know, Popeye's, the sides are already sitting up there. There's nothing to be prepared. They're just waiting. All they got to do is turn around and hand it to me. So I said, all right, if I could just get to the register, I'm good. Because that was my problem the first time. I couldn't get to the register. This mom and her two kids spent at least 10, 15 minutes putting their order in at this register. And the cashiers at Popeye's are so bad. Let me tell you, if I was as slow as these cashiers at Popeye's were, when I worked at Fazoli's, I would have got pulled off of that register so quick and put in the back, either washing dishes, <laughs> not dishes, either washing dishes or on the drive-thru, something. Because, like, that's the way, when it, they'll put you on that drive-thru when you ain't good. So I would have got one of those. This girl was so bad, and nobody, there was no sense of urgency in there. They just let her rock, taking this long-ass order. So I said, all right, maybe she's not going to be the cashier this time. Maybe it's somebody different. All I got to do is get to the register. I walk in, there's two people ahead of me, and they're already at the counter. Two black women. I don't know why I said they're race. I don't want you guys to be racist over this. But actually, no, it does play a part in this story. So there's two black women at the register. I take my six feet step back. You know, it's COVID. I don't want to be close. I let them do what they're doing. And already when I'm in there, I can see there's some frustration on their face. They're waiting for something. They don't look happy. I have my mask on. I say, you know what? I'm just going to try to stay incognito right now. I'm not saying a word. I don't want no smoke. And after, and this is the same day. Is this the day? I think this is the same day where I had pulled the back muscle. Yes, yes. This all plays a part in the story. So I have the pulled back muscle and I'm in line and I'm like, all right. Definitely can't have no smoke today because I can't even defend myself. I can barely move. It was, a, it was a struggle even to get in that car and get to Popeye's, but I did. So I'm watching these women, and they are, like, laying, like, you know how, like, when, I don't know how to explain this look. When they got, like, the arms on the counter and their legs are, like, a little stretched out, it's the I'm waiting, I'm frustrated look. That's what they were doing. They made themselves comfortable. You know what? There's a white guy next to them, too, during this whole thing. But he looks like he's just waiting for his food. And he's actually waiting a while. Like, he ends up waiting there like five, ten minutes just for like, I don't even know, a bag or something, some chicken side. I don't know. But the black women are concerning me because they're still there. They're not moving. That's where I need to be. They're at the register where I need to be. The lady who's like in charge of taking orders ain't even giving me a, I'll be right with you. Hey, can y'all move over to the side? She's not giving me any of this. She's walking around the back of the building, the drive-thru area. 
going so slow getting the orders ready. I don't know if they're like it's a weight on the spicy chicken because I do hear that sometimes Popeyes has a weight on the spicy chicken and that can cause things. But anybody who's worked in fast food knows like if somebody's waiting, you ask them to move to the side, you take the next order, you just want to get the orders in. These black women ain't budging. Nobody's telling them to budge. I'm not telling them to budge with my broken back. Spinal. Like, I'm chilling. I already tell myself, all right, this is going to be a minute. So let me just <laughs> let me just sit back and um, wait this out. And hopefully I can get up there in like five or ten minutes. I'm being patient. Because like I said, fast food is stressed right now. Those workers are stressed. I understand. I'm very patient. So I said, I'm going to wait this out. Give them some time. Let them get it together. Another couple comes in behind me, a white couple. Looks like they are coming for like a date night or something. They're like pretty excited. As soon as they walk in, there's a white guy in like cowboy boots and a hat. Might have had a Confederate flag somewhere on there. I couldn't tell. I was looking. I couldn't tell. So he tells them, don't even waste your time coming in here. You're going to be waiting for 30 minutes just to get your food. I've been waiting for so long. I was like, oh, boy. so, So now we got the black women at the counter. We got the white guy who's upset, possibly has a Confederate flag somewhere. And he's upset too. So I can just tell there's like a lot of tension in this building. So after that, the white couple's like, oh, after that, we're out of here. They leave, they get back in their pickup truck, they drive off. I, I say I'm going to wait it out a little bit longer because I just want macaroni. If I can get this order in, I should be able to get the macaroni a decent amount of time. So I wait about five more minutes. So at this point, it's probably like 10 minutes total. I'm still waiting. Haven't you made it to the, the front? Black women still there. And they're like, I don't know if they work there, if they know the girl, but they're like telling her, hey, hey throw a little bit extra in here. Like they're, they're talking to her like they're friends with the lady who works there. But there's just no sense of urgency. Even like the manager guy, like he's not telling everybody, to like, hey, let's get these orders. Everybody's moving out of their own pace. I smell a little bit of weed. I don't know if it was the workers who were smoking earlier, if it's the people in there. I don't know. But everybody's just moving a little bit too slow. So then that same white guy that had the, the cowboy boots with the hat and possible Confederate flag walks up to the front counter. And at this point, he's mad. Because I guess he gets his side of macaroni and it's small. And he's like, I ordered a large. He's yelling. And the girl's like, okay, okay. And she gives him the Mac. But I, at this point, my anxiety is like going through the roof. Because I'm like, man. I really hope it does not pop off in here. Because you know, once everybody's frustrated and stressed, all it takes is somebody saying the wrong, the wrong word to somebody and it's just going to pop off. And honestly, I'm not trying to defend the black women because I, I'm going to get hurt. I, I'm in no form to defend myself that night. My back is done. Upper neck or lower neck, upper back, I can barely move. So I'm like, man, if it goes down, I'm screwed. I can't do anything. So as I feel the tension building, people just waiting for their food. Uh, there's somebody else waiting at the counter. I just, I, I say, you know what? I got to take the, uh, I'm just not going to have the macaroni and cheese tonight. So after waiting for about 10 or 15 minutes, I just walk out. And those black women are still at the counter. Still there, slumped over with the, with the elbows and everything on the counter. I was like, you know what? This is too much for me. My, I, I'm in a place in my life where if the energy doesn't feel right, I'm going to leave the situation. I'm not going to wait for it to get bad. I'm leaving. And I'm telling you right now, that energy did not feel right in there. I was feeling some racial tension. 
I know the white people in there were probably looking at the black people and they probably hate all of us now because of the actions of some. I've talked about this before, how the actions of some can make people feel a certain way about a whole race. It's not right, but it's the same thing. Like I said about the police, like the actions of some will make you feel a certain way about all of them. And I'm trying to get off of all that, but I felt it in there that night. I was like, yo, that white dude probably hate all of us. So I was like, let me get out of here before he say something to these black women and they go off and it just turns into an all out brawl. But the whole moral of that whole story was just Popeye's service is so freaking bad. It is the worst service. I've come up with an idea on how they can get better. I think Popeye's needs to send all of their workers to Chick-fil-A for training. I think if they get trained by the Chick-fil-A people, it'll help that restaurant because clearly whoever they got training over there is doing a terrible job. Honestly, I don't even know if I can go back to that Popeye's anymore. I think the Popeye's in my little city where I live, I got to put them on punishment because it's just, it's so bad, bro. It's like 30 minute wait just to put an order in. So I felt bad when that Taco Bell lady quit because I knew she probably had been through some, I don't know if these Popeye's people have been through stuff like that. They just seem like they don't care. I don't even know if it's stress. They just look like they don't care. They're over it. Whatever they've been through, they're over it. And it's hurting Popeye's service. I'm not that loyal of a Popeye's guy where I will continue to go for bad service. Nah, I'm done with it. I ended up not getting the macaroni and cheese. Took the L. Went to Wendy's. I said, I just got to ride out with these fries tonight. So I ended up getting two large fries. Because before I was just going to get like two small fries. But without macaroni and cheese, I said I have to get the large. So I had two large fries with the ribs. The ribs weren't even that great. They were Aldi ribs. Like, they were already made. Just put it in the oven. So, I don't know. It was kind of a disappointing night. But I think I'm to the point where I'm just eating at home now. Like, I'm not messing with fast food no more, man. <laughs> Unless it's like McDonald's for my coffee, I just don't see a need to go to these fast food restaurants, get myself stressed out because everybody's on edge right now. And I just feel like I can go down at any moment. I always feel that way when I go to White Castle, too. But, yeah. Uh, let me let me do a few more topics before I get off of here. I've been shopping for a mountain bike. Or, no, not a mountain bike. I've been shopping for a new bike. And I'm all I see is, like, mountain bikes in the store. And it just makes me wonder, like, why the hell did we ride mountain bikes as kids when there's no mountains in Florida? Because now I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't need a mountain bike. I need, like, a regular-ass bike. So I'm trying to find something regular, but it just made me wonder, like, why we rode mountain bikes when there's no mountains? And why are mountain bikes so popular? I guess that's for the kids, but, like, adults? You don't really see too many adults on mountain bikes. Another thing I want to talk about, uh, we did the service at Popeye's. Adrian Peterson. Yeah, we'll do these next two, and then I'll wrap it up. Adrian, oh, no, next three. Because the next two will tie into each other. Adrian Peterson got in trouble. He got arrested and pulled off a plane on his way back to Houston, I think, after he did some Super Bowl-like media stuff. They said it was like domestic violence on the plane with him and his wife. He ends up getting arrested. They pull him off the plane. The flight leaves and goes without him. The wife is still on the plane. It's kind of weird, but I don't know. I don't know what he did. They said, I guess he left a mark on her finger. He said... He said he didn't he didn't hit his wife. He wasn't like violent. All he did was try to pull the ring off of her finger. I'm sorry, AP. You can't do that in 2021. 
You can't pull a ring off a woman's finger, especially on a freaking plane in front of all these people. Because he said it was the lady behind him that called the police. I, I'm going to wait for more details on this, but from just his admission alone, you can't do that. You can't do that in 2021. And Adrian Peterson, like, you've been accused of beating your kids. You've been accused of some bad stuff in the past. So you, out of all people, you got to be low on that flight. You can't do anything. Like, if your wife wants to yell at you, you got to let her get that off, bro. You got to let her say whatever she wants. You got to remain calm. Why are you trying to pull the ring off anyway? Like, what was the purpose of that? I know the argument. I know there's bad arguments people have, but what is the point of pulling the ring off? Especially in, in public. And that just brings me to the point where why do people always want to air out their like grievances and argue in public? I've seen this when I go to like the gas station. I'm just trying to get gas and I see couples arguing like intense. And I'm just always wondering like why do people want to do this stuff in public? And I'm like, damn, man, I'm not the type that I don't know if I'm going to step in it because then you end up getting killed or something over it. But I will call the police. Y'all do something crazy. I'll be like that later on the plane. Like if you hit them. I'm calling the police, but I ain't about to die for that. No, because a lot of times they go right back to that person, but I just don't understand why they, why everybody wants to do the arguing out in public. What makes you comfortable to do that in front of people, especially on a plane where damn near anything is a felony. Like Adrian Peterson was wilding, man, even for trying to pull the ring off. I don't think he should have got arrested. Maybe just pulled off the flight, let the wife fly separately, but nah, he's probably shouldn't have been arrested, but. Yeah, I understand why he got pulled off. And from what I heard, the charges are dropped, but he still could get, like, misdemeanor charges. So we'll see what goes on with that. Speaking of people beefing with their wives, Kanye West. Kanye West is, man, all I can say is we got to pray for Kanye. I don't know what is going on in his head. Everybody swears he's a genius. I think I'm over it. He's not a genius. Kanye has mental health issues like i seriously think he's bipolar he has been doing some wild stuff ever since kim kardashian has been um started dating pete davidson kanye has released like all these text messages between him and kim he's telling people to run up on pete and hurt him he's threatening pete himself and one of the texts with kim kim's like why are you putting all our private stuff in public he's like because i just want you're my favorite person i love you blah blah but honestly I see why Kim does not want to be with him anymore. I, if I was Kim, I would not go back to that because it just doesn't look stable. Like, why would you subject yourself to that type of behavior from somebody every day? I can only imagine what it was like when they were married. So I'm team Kim in this situation. I'm happy she's moved on. I don't think she should go back to Kanye. I know he says he's fighting for his family, but, bro, this is not the way you go about it. This is not the way you go about it. And... You've also told us like you've cheated on her before. So I'm not, I don't have the sympathy for him in this situation. I only have sympathy for like his mental health. Cause I really think something's wrong and I just keep him in my prayers, man. Cause I really, I'm scared for Kanye at this point with the, the path he's going down. I don't know how it's going to end up, but it's, it's very scary. Like even when I read this stuff, I know it's gossip, but I'm very concerned. Like I seriously pray for this man because Something's not right there with him mentally. I guess I believe he might be bipolar. But there's something going on. And I just hope he can get the, the help he needs. I hope people in his circle are directing him in those directions. If he needs to take medication, man, I hope he does whatever he needs to do. 
But I don't blame Kim for moving on. Looks like she's happy with Pete Davidson. Even Pete tried to reach out to Kanye, and he was trying to be nice and stuff. And Kanye was, like, going off on him. So I don't think there's anything they can do in that situation. If I'm Kim and Pete, I'll fall back. I know Kim has to keep in contact with him because of the kids, but Pete, I would not reach out to Kanye anymore. Kim just only talks to him about the kids. Kanye, prayers for you. Please get help. And then my last topic of the day, the Miami Dolphins have hired a coach after uh, firing Brian Flores, and he put the lawsuit on him. So this is where it gets interesting. Brian Flores basically said he was uh, fired because he's black. The Miami Dolphins have hired a coach who says he is biracial. The problem with that is he looks white. And I get it. Logic, logic looks white and is biracial. So there are biracial people who look white. But I, I feel like the Miami Dolphins are trying to get ahead of this Brian Flores thing by hiring this coach, Mike McDaniel, who looks white, but identifies as biracial. Now there's some, some he's getting a little bit of uh, backlash from the black community because they're saying they're mad that he doesn't identify as black. Mike McDaniel is saying I identify as biracial because I've been treated like biracial. Like I've never been treated like I was black. And I, honestly, I, I agree with him on this. He looks white. You can Google him. His name is Mike McDaniel. He don't even look biracial. I was searching to see what his dad looks like. I still can't find a picture of his dad. But I would imagine his dad has to be like a light-skinned black man at best or maybe even a mixed black man. But he's not like... I'll, if his dad is dark like me, I'd be very surprised. So when you don't look black, Odds are you're not going to be treated like you're black. So Mike McDaniel is saying, I've never had issues of racism personally growing up. So I identify as biracial. I'm not mad at that because if you've never been treated like a black person, it's going to be hard for you to understand and identify with that. And I would feel uncomfortable if I looked like him and was telling people I'm black when I've never been through the same things black people have been through. So I'm not mad at him for saying I'm biracial. I think that is, in that situation, that's probably the correct term. It's kind of like, and, and follow me here, it's kind of like the transgender situation. Let's say you have a trans woman. So they were formally identified as a boy or a man. Now they identify as a woman. They go into the woman, the men's room. Oh, no, they go into the women's room. They go into the women's room. They look like a, I think the term is, uh, is it non-binary? I'm trying to say the correct terminology, but they don't stand out in the women's room is what I'm saying. Everybody treats them normal. Now, if they're dressed that same way and they go in the men's room, they are going to get treated different. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, if Mike McDaniel is dark, he can go anywhere and is going to get treated like a black person. But because he looks white, he is safe in white spaces. He's going to be treated like he is white when he goes in a white space, the same way as a trans woman who passes for somebody who was born a woman, like looks and all, is going to be treated that same way 
when they're out in public spaces. Now, if you have a trans woman who doesn't look like you would think a woman who was born woman looks, they will probably be treated differently. Just like Mike McDaniel will be treated differently if he looked anything but white. I hope I made sense with that. If not, I'll probably think about it later and try to explain it better on the next episode because I usually do things like that. But this is Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence. We are going to keep it in the uh, black history space. And I will play a song on the way out. I'm thinking Public Enemy. I was going to play. I was going to play another one, but the song I wanted to play, I don't know if it's appropriate. Let's play Burn Hollywood Burn. This is Public Enemy and Ice Cube and Big Daddy Kane. This is Burn Hollywood Burn, Chuck D on there rapping. And great verses about how Hollywood has mistreated us over the years still rings true today. Keeping it real with Jerry Lawrence. We'll be back next week. Burn Hollywood Burn, I smell a riot going on. First they're guilty, now they're gone. Yeah, I'll check out a movie, but it'll take a black one to move me. Get me the hell away from this TV. All this news and views are beneath me. So all I hear about is shots ringing out. About gang putting each other's head out. So I ran Slang out. All right, fellas, let's go hang out. Hollywood, or would they not make us all look bad like I know they had? But some things I'll never forget, yeah. So step and fetch this shit. For all the years we look like clowns, the joke is over. Smell the smoke from all around. and holes. Many intelligent black men seem to look uncivilized when on the screen. Like I guess I figure you to play some jigaboo on the plantation. What else can a nigga do? And black women in this profession, as for playing a lawyer, out of the question. For what they played, Angel Mama is the perfect term. Even if now she got a perm. So let's make our own movies like Spike Lee. Cause the roles being offered don't strike me. There's nothing that the black man could use to earn. Burn Hollywood, burn. Gentlemen, today's feature presentation, Driving Miss Daisy. No, oh, no, man. No, just I, just oh, what I'm talking about. It's terms of the dim shit. I'm out of here, man. Hey, yo, check it out, man. I got Black C's at the crib, man. Y'all want to go check that out? Yeah. That's the idea. Cause we could have rolled it from the beginning. Y'all with it, Fuck man. Fuck Hollywood, man.